Check, check. Hey, it works. I am wired for sound. Pretty good, huh? Do I sound good? I don't sound good? I sound good? They got this for me because I'm older than you. But look. Look. Pretty clever, huh? Huh? And my wife, she thought I really needed something, so she got me a, she picked me up a, a used Bible with large print. Is that telling you anything? Praise God. Yes, sir. See, that's so you can stand back here. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, praise God. Um, let's pray before we go. Let's pray for the pastor and all the kids at camp. Let's pray for the United States. What a mess. Amen. What a mess. Uh, anymore, you can't even turn on the news with, and hear anything good at all. And all they talk about is COVID-19 and how it's growing. And how many people are dying because they're taking the shot. Uh, but sound effects. That other mic might work better than this one. This is an old one I had. But anybody else got anything you want to pray about? Sir. Sister Pastor. Huh? Sis, anything you want us to pray about? What'd she say? Unspoken. Okay. Can we stand? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, we rely upon you. You're our source, our strength, and you're the mighty power in times like this. Lord, we lift up the United States. All that's going on in Washington, all the evil and the crookedness, we bind it in the name of Jesus. We come against it. These things and these people that's doing things to hurt churches, we raise up a standard against them. No way can you stop God's church from going forth. We bind you and we speak power to the churches. We speak overcoming power to the churches. Father, pastors that are hurting right now, pastors' families that are hurting, Lord, we lift them up tonight. We stand in the gap for them, Father. We want a revival hit the United States and flow to other nations. Father, we're asking for a move of the Holy Spirit right here. Let it start here, Father. Let it start with us. Father, let us be renewed and strengthened, Father. Unspoken requests we bring to you. And, Father, the camp, all the kids at the camp and the pastor and everything that's happening there, Father, we want blessings to pour upon them, touch lives to be changed. Father, we're asking for a move of the Holy Spirit at that camp right now. Father, touch the children, touch the youth, touch the workers. Father, we ask you to open the doors for this church from the north, the south, the east, and the west for people to come, people that are hungry, people that need to be touched, people that are crippled, people that have lives that have been devastated for whatever reason. Father, we want to give that oil of healing upon them. So, Lord, we ask you to touch this neighborhood, touch this town. Father, we call them in from every direction. Lord, we ask you to bring revival here at Cliff Terrace. Father, let a revival spirit flow in all of us and let it start from a Wednesday night and grow. Father, we're asking for an increase in numbers so we can give the good news to help people, encourage people, and lift up people. In the mighty name of Jesus, we speak over the finances of this church. Father, we ask that they be doubled. They be doubled, Father, to what they are now. I don't know where it's going to come from, but I know, God, you have a plan, and you've got those people out there that wants to give. So, Father, I'm calling that money in that belongs in this church, Father, that we can do what you want us to do and be what you want us to be. Father, we call it a done deal. We're asking for blessings on our pastor, physical, spiritual, and financial blessings on our household. Father, we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare revival is coming in this church now. Now. Devil, you cannot have none of our people. You cannot have the people that should be here that haven't been here that's going to come here now. Lord, we raise up a standard against the enemy that would kind of kill, steal, and destroy, and we speak life and life abundantly in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Glory to God. I kind of got 
a strange study text tonight. And this thing keep popping. I'm going to throw it away. No. How about that? I just won't breathe. Then when I pass out, you said, the Holy Ghost must have done it. It's a true story. My uh, Stella that comes, my sister-in-law that comes here, her son had a, I guess you call it a contemporary gospel music band. They sung all over California, and I had a pickup, and I got blessed with loading and unloading sound gear and setting up stages and all this dumb stuff, you know. But we knew when he forgot the words when he was singing because he would just raise his hands up and he'd start speaking in tongues. And I told him, I told him one day, I said, Robert, you're going to have to quit that fake Holy Ghost stuff. He said, what do you mean? I said, every time you forget the words, you get, try to get spiritual and you raise your hands and you just start speaking in tongues. And I said, I've never heard you really speak in tongues. So I really don't know if you're speaking in tongues or just gibberish. He said, oh, Uncle, you know I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in tongues. I said, no, I don't. But they cut, they cut a couple albums and they did a lot of running the highways out there. But uh, he could sing. I don't know what happened to me, but he could sing. Yes. So it was kind of a If I had a title tonight, the title, thank you for the light. This is such a beautiful light. Bracken, you can use this when you need to use this, okay? Okay. I'll have it back there, but it's going to be charged up, fully charged up. Okay. Yeah, but you're not as old as I am. And the print in this Bible is so big, you could probably read it from the back row. My wife did that. Okay. If I had a title, and I was going to title this tonight, is When is Good Good Enough? We live in a time and an age where we say, we got to do more, we got to do more, we got to do this. When is, when is good good enough? When have you done enough good to be good enough? Is there a time that you can do enough good to be good enough? Or is it something that we're always reaching out to be good enough for, but yet we think in our minds that we've still got more to do? And I, I do believe we, the church, has more to do, but I want to talk about when is good good enough? When is the worship team good enough? When is the people that works in the sound booth up there, when is that good enough? Is there a time? Is there a frame? When am I good enough when teaching on Wednesday nights or whenever I get to teach? When are you good enough? And if we don't watch it, we can fall into a trap, and that trap can be devastating because it can bind us and limit us from being and doing what God says to do and be. And I do have handouts. We open ourselves to discouragement and insecurity by assuming either we haven't done enough or what we've done is not good enough. I think this church, by certain means, has, this, has both of these things operating in them, in that we think at times we haven't done enough or what we've done is, isn't good enough. Can I tell you, by the stripes and by the blood of Jesus, you're good enough. You're more than good enough. Now, is there more things we can do? Yes, there's always things that we can do. But at the same time, we've got to understand that if we're evaluating ourselves, then if you're like me, you will always say on the negative side. Did you do that when you evaluate yourself? I should have said this, or I should have done this, or I could have done that, or maybe I should have thought this way. In reality... God has called us to this church for a time just like this. Is there some demons that work against the church? Yes, I believe so. Anybody else believe so? Is there some things out there that has come in the door and has helped us? I think so. But at the same time, we have to understand God has put a call on each one of us to be here at a time like this. And apparently, we've got the gifts, the talents, and the ability to do what God said to do. Somebody should say amen because that was really good. I got a hand wave and a nod, so I guess we're doing okay. Uh, If we allow ourselves to be discouraged 
by the thought of either we haven't done enough or we're not good enough, it becomes a breeding ground for all sorts of emotions and guilt. How many's ever had guilt? I hate it. How about you? I hate guilt. Even when I've done something wrong, I hate it. Someone ought to say, man, again, that's really good stuff right there. Guilt. I hate it. I despise it. And I'm my worst guilt-throne person that I'll throw guilt on me. And I said, you know what? I should have said this. Or I should have said that. I should have done that. I should have done that. And I should have done this. I could have gave here. I could have done And I, there's always something I could have. But I had to get to a point in my life where it says, God, I'm going to do my best to be obedient to what you say to do when you say to do it, and this other junk I'm going to lay aside. Quit beating up on yourselves. Quit beating up on the pastor and his wife. Quit beating up on others and judging others with what they are or what they are not. Aren't you glad that I'm not your judge? And there's power in this mic. I touched myself wrong. Which this sure is better than having that handheld thing. Turn around with me to uh, John, the third chapter. Now, I'm breaking in a new Bible, so it's going to take me a little bit. First John, third chapter. 21 22. Wow. I can read. Look. I don't know if it's the big print Bible or if it's the light. How cool it is. Okay. John, first John, third chapter, and 21st verse. Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. 22nd verse. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Let me ask something. What is pleasing in God's sight? Give me one thing. One thing. Do what? Doing his will. What is that? What's his will? Ooh, that's good. What's one thing that we can do in the will of God? Love our neighbor. Is that hard? Yeah, it is hard. <laughs> okay. The lack of self-confidence is easily spiraled into the next step of destructive thoughts. Lack of self-confidence. Should we have self-confidence? We're going to call it self-confidence tonight. Not some confidence, but self-confidence. You got to speak up. I have to get you a mic. Yep, self-confidence. Do you have self-confidence? In something. Ooh, that's a great answer. You're hot tonight. Ooh, that's good. In some things. I can talk about electrical work, and I do have a confidence level in that. I can bend pipe. I can do all this stuff. And I have a confidence that. But I believe our self-confidence rises from a lot of things, not just career-minded. Do you have confidence in playing your bass? Except some songs. Do you have confidence in... Being a pastor's wife? Sometimes, okay. Do you have confidence in coming to church tonight? Absolutely. <laughs> let, me, let me read these things. I got them on your, on your hand up. God's full blessings doesn't appear to be upon me. And therefore, I have no business attempting this endeavors. Have you ever felt like that God's blessing is not on you? That's those other people that should have killed it up tonight. God's full blessing doesn't appear to be upon me. Is that a true statement for you? Is it a true statement for you? Does God's blessing 
All right, let me put it this way. God's blessing doesn't seem to be upon me. Can you say that? Doesn't seem to be upon me. Is that a true statement? I can't hear you. Not for me. Okay. Understand that those are to have that thought is a destructive thought and it affects you. I doubt if I have the skills to do what it takes to get the job done. Now, if I was going up and take his base away from him and play his base, I know I don't have the skills to do it, and I know I don't want to have the skills to do it, and I know I don't care to do it, and I know I'm not going to do it. Let me tell you a true story. We started a church in Spiral at the alternator and generator factory. There's an old building out there that they built generators and alternators. They rewound them there. And the guy let us use part of the building for church until we built a new one. Now, I was feeling so spiritual. You ever feel so spiritual? Like you could walk on water? No? I feel so, I'm going to pray for you. But I, I, we was at a service, and I, I was sitting there, and I was praying. Man, I was praying. You know, I was, I was praying in tongues, and tears were running down my eyes, and the building didn't have no air conditioning in it. It was about 130 degrees. It was a corrugated tin building. In fact, it still sits up there above the church that we built down below it. Anyway, so I said, we had a piano. So I said, bless God, I'm going up and play the piano. So I'll go up to that piano. I'm walking up there, and I said, okay, God, I'm up here now. What do I do now? So I pulled the chair out, bench out, and I sat down. And I waved my hands around like this, and I waved my fingers like this. I still remember it. Now, this was a few years ago. And I said, God, by your ability, not my own ability, I'm going to play this piano. So what did I do? I spread my arms out and hit keys on both ends of the piano. You know what that sounds like? Yes. My wife's looking at me like this. Give me all these signals. My brother was a pastor at that time. He's saying no. My sister-in-law says like this. And I get all these hand signals, you know. And I, get, and I stood up and says, I'm practicing my faith. And my brother stood up and says, can you practice your faith when there's nobody at church? We're trying to build a church, not destroy it. I honestly did that. Honestly, took up and hit the keys. And I didn't do one song. I did a bunch of songs. And then let me give you one more illustration. Everybody in church can sing, I thought. So one Wednesday night. At the youth service, we had about 65 people there. And I decided I was going to sing a special. They kept bugging me to sing. Remember the country western song, Elijah was a wooden Indian? You remember that one? And he, he saw a running bear over there, and he jumped in the water, and they swam to each other. Okay. Anyway, you, there you go. There you go. Thank you, sister. These other rejects over here just didn't get with the program, you know. But anyway, so I sung that song. Remember the old brown Hemmel's books? The little ones about like this, the brown. I opened it up, and that song, but it wasn't Elijah the Wooden Indian. It was Elijah prayed to stop the rain for three and a half years, and he prayed again for the rain to come. But I sang it to Elijah the Wooden Indian. And my singing career ended right there. That was 45, 50 years ago. Never again was anybody ever asked me to sing again. But do you think that bothers me? No. But what, what I'm trying to get to you, we can't regulate or we can't determine whether we're good, bad, or ugly. What we've got to determine is what does God want me to do at this particular time? What does God want us to do at this church at this particular time? He said in his word, he says, if you're faithful over the small things, I will make you rulers over the large things. Church, we are positioning ourselves to be rulers over large things in this community. Amen? God is preparing us. And the pastor and I, she, she was talking to me, we were talking about that. She, she believes that there's going to be a breakthrough. I'm in agreement with you. Anybody else in agreement with her? We're believing for a breakthrough, a supernatural breakthrough. Let this be the revival center of Fort Smith, Arkansas. Let us have a breakthrough that will shatter the walls. Amen? 
One of the things we need to understand about being good enough is to understand that we have the ability to be good enough every day. Third thing. I have battled with this weakness for so long, I don't know if I'll ever really change. How many has got weaknesses in your life? I just told you one of my weaknesses is the ability to saying that people could listen. Now, I've got a standard poodle, and I've got a golden doodle. I can be on the back porch reading, looking out at this empty field out there, and I can sing, and do you know those dogs won't go in the house? They'll sit out there and listen to me. Now, do you think my wife will come out and listen to me? There ain't no way. There ain't no way at all. So what I have to battle the weaknesses is with the Word of God. Any weakness that I have, even the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So that's my excuse. If I don't sound good, it's joyful noise. You got it? Now, you can use this. He can't because he's on stage doing musicals. He can't use that at all. That's not, he can't use it. And he can sing. I just don't hear enough of him. I think we need to get him a mic up there. Anyway, that's me. Defeating thoughts result from a combination of four unsettled issues. Four things. First, by the virtue of the blood of Christ, I am cleansed and completely forgiven and stand as a new creation before God. You have to, we have to, we all have to, this church has to understand, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, you're cleaned and you're forgiven and you're a new creation. You think I'm ugly now? You ought to see me before God got a hold of me. He made me handsome. Someone could say amen right now. You're really helping me out here. I'm going to fix you next week now. You're going to be good. Okay. So, I'm totally accepted by him, and he promises to be with me. Did you hear that? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be there. Do you understand that? When, when is God not with you? When? Never. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I might have told this story before I got hit with 12,000 volts at a hospital and six, about eight inches of water. And as I fell to the ground, concrete, I said, Jesus, I need you. That was Friday morning. I didn't wake up until Monday at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was in whatever they call it, shock coma or something for that period of time. But I can clearly remember God saying to me, I've got this. Nobody else has said it. The doctor says to my wife, he says, well, I want to give him a sedative so he don't toss a turn. She says, you're not going to do nothing to him unless you check with me first, and you're not going to do that until we go in, in the break room and, and have a prayer meeting. Well, you don't have to pray over this. This is just something doctors have to do. You don't do it until I tell you you can do it. Well, they never did it. But my, my whole thing is, I need to understand that I am accepted by Jesus Christ. I'm somebody. I belong to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's my Savior. He's my physician. He's my best friend. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm there with you. And I think we have to practice declaring those words all the time to ourselves. Does that make sense? All the time. Second, God is my absolute source. Whatever good does come is the pure result of his grace working through my weaknesses. If we do something good, and I believe most of you are doing good things. You worked on the lawnmower, didn't you? I should have had you come over and work online. But you worked on the lawnmower. That was a good deed. Somebody needed to do it. Praise God you did it. You did that for the church. You did that to help. So, just like when he gets up to play the bass, does he do it for himself or does he do it for the church? Who? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You are absolutely right. 
when he goes up and plays the bass, he does it for the church, but he does it for him too. Why? Because he's answering a call that God has put in his life. That was good, huh? huh? He, if I get up to play the bass, you wouldn't enjoy it. You wouldn't like it. But God called him to that position and gave him the talent to do it. There are positions that God calls us to, and when we first get into that position, we may or may not have the talent or the gifting we need for that position. But does God know best? God knows best. I told the story about many public speaking classes I took in high school, and I flunked every one of them. They asked me to take wood shop, metal shop, all these different shops, get me out of the public speaking. And I told God, God, I'd never want to preach because if you have to preach, you have to talk in front of people. Is that right? Pretty much. Huh? But it didn't really make any difference what I said to God. God says, this is what I want you to do, Bill Collins. So get ready, do some studying, go to school, and learn something. So my responsibility was to learn something, practice, work at it, study. And it really made no difference what fears or weaknesses I had. God says, I will strengthen you, strengthen you, and I'll be with you. There's times that he gets up to play the bass, and maybe or maybe not, he knows all the music. We were talking about it just before service, that, that some of the songs he knows by heart that he don't have to because they sing them so much. That's not good, and that's not bad either. But we do want to move forward. Okay. Third, based on, upon the second assignment, assessment, I will do everything within my means to make myself a channel for his grace. When all these high school teachers told me that I shouldn't be in public speaking, at the same time, God was saying something different to me. Now, did my responsibility stop with what those teachers were saying? When God says, you're going to do something for me, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to protect you, what is your responsibility? Can't hear you. To do it, that's right. No matter what, whatever it takes, you do it. You work at it. You make an effort. You put some energy into it. You don't just sit back and say, well, God, you know I can't do that. Are we dumb? Sometimes we're just so dumb. We're telling, God, don't you know what you're saying? Of course, you guys never said that, right? You're asking me to do what? She got upset with me a few months ago. And you know, I know she did because she wouldn't talk to me for a whole week. I told her she needed to be out of the sound booth and up here, didn't I? Not once, not twice, but I think I told, told her several things. I don't want to say she's hard-headed or stubborn. She just didn't have nobody else to take her position up there, and she's needed up there. But if you notice lately, she's been sitting up here. And the music's been better because she's up here. Greg's preachings have been a little bit better because she's got her eyeball on him and she's watching him. (laughs) So, my part, your part, our part, is to accept the good that God wants to use me to do. When I first came to the church and they talked about taking the choir loft down and all that down and the first day we showed up there man there was a bunch of men here wasn't there I was impressed we started taking that choir loft down how many men were here I said wow this is a church function this church I like men show up to do the work yes I never saw nobody else after that I cut the stairs down. I'd already cut that down. This one here had four million nails in it. This end. Had to cut them in little strips like this to get it down. Then I knew I couldn't handle the walls by myself, so I cut them in four-foot pieces. Zip, picked up that piece, landed it against the wall, cut another one, had them all stacked against the wall. And the pastor came by, and he says, what are you doing? I said, well, I thought I was taking this choir deal down. He said, you want some help? No, nah, I don't need no help. I just told a lie right there. I lied to the pastor. 
So a few minutes he takes off. He comes back. Next thing you know, he's grabbing this section. He's waddling out the door with it. Grabs another section. Waddling out the door. They're a four-foot section. And that's, that's 62 feet across there of wall. Now, did I need help? Yes and no. Now, let me, t- let me tell you why. Help would have made it a lot easier on the things I was doing. But God didn't say, Bill Collins, I'm going to give you help to do this. I'm calling you to do this. Did I want to do it? Say no. Did I like doing it? Say no again. But it didn't change the fact whether anybody was going to help me or not. The fact was God said, this is what I want you to do. Now you hear me? So being good enough is understanding that God's going to direct your paths. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered. In other words, he's going to direct your steps. So my step was cut that, stack it, cut that, stack it, cut that, stack it. Pull the nails out, cut it, stack it, and do them. And then the pastor came along and helped me. Made me feel really bad because they were, I should have cut them in three-foot sections instead of four-foot sections. He just grabbed them like they were nothing. Out the door he went with them. So I said all this to say, to say this. Understanding God's will is really learning how to hear him and obey him. It's not hard. Is God going to call you or me or us to do something we can't do? Okay, wait a minute. I want to hear from both of you. Go ahead. Is God going to call us to something that, to do something that we can't do or maybe something that we're uncomfortable with doing? Why would he do that to us? He wants to embarrass you? I didn't put that in my notes, but that's good. Ooh, that was good, huh? That was good. You can see why she's in the position she's in right there. That showed it. There you go. I'll do something with this mic next time. By the virtue of the blood of Christ, I'm cleansed and completely forgiven and, have, and stand as a new creation before God. I am totally accepted by him and his promises to be with me. Are you hearing me? We are accepted, and he promises to be with us. What does that mean to you? When he says, I'll be with you. When I was cutting that down, there was nobody else here. I hadn't had nobody to get mad with, mad at me at the way I was doing it or the time I was taking to do it. It was just me and God. We had our own thing going. My wife asked me after doing this for a few days, she said, are you trying to do that by yourself? Oh, no, not me. Yes, see how that happens? But the reality is, when we learn to listen clearly, and we have to practice listening, God will give us steps and instruction. I knew I couldn't handle that wall all at one place, so God said, cut it down, make it four-foot pieces so you handle it. So by walking in obedience, I'm also doing good things. Is that cool? When we walk in obedience, we're doing good things for the kingdom of God. And I'm not getting anywhere with this like I wanted to. It's no coincidence that the greatest Christians on, in the early church was blasphemous, murderers, saved by grace. Those disciples weren't the nicest guys on the street. They talked bad. They acted bad. Then murderers. They all was not saints. These two guys right here would have a hard time getting in that circle because they're so nice. <laughs> Hear me. These guys, these disciples, William is, oh, okay, okay, okay. But at the, at the same time, we have to understand, it wasn't what they did back there. It's right now. It's a call of God right now. And the first thing they did right is they said, we'll follow you. We'll follow you. How much do you think they knew about Jesus at that time? Zero. They knew he was a preacher. They knew that he did some miracles. They knew he did some signs and wonders. They knew some of this stuff. 
but a lot of them hadn't seen him do anything at all. Now, this is what I like, one of the things I like about Jesus. When we walk in obedience, our submission to what God is saying, he fills our boat. One of the first miracles that he did with the disciples is fill the boat with fish. So much fish that they had to call other boats in to catch and to net and to pick up all the fish. Why did God do that? Why did God fill their boats with fish? Okay. I like that as part of the answer. Some people need a two-by-four alongside the head. I'm not going to leave no more two-by-fours up there because you may want to use that on me. It, ooh, that's... See, I told you she was a pastor. She is. It was something they understood. Give me more. Absolutely. When we move in obedience, as you said, listen to me, we can expect overabundance of uh, blessings. Do you believe that? When you do things God tells you to do, do you get blessed all the time? Do you get blessed all the time? Sometimes, though, it doesn't seem like we do. Sometimes we say, but God, I obeyed you. Well, God says, put $500 in the offering. You sure, God? Yeah. Okay. Put $500 in the offering. And you wait around, and you wait around, and you say, uh, God, where's the blessing from the $500? And you wait around, and you wait around, and the six months... And it's a year, then it's two years, then it's five years, and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, and someone comes to your door that you hadn't seen in years, and they said, God told me to come and give you $500. Now, this is not something I heard about, but this is something that happened to us. God fulfilled his word that he said to me that I planted back there that I needed because we were fixing to move into another location, and I didn't have all the money to put the cleaning deposit up, and it was exactly $500. That's the God we serve. He is always on time. I'm saying that as a faith statement, but I'm saying it that you and I have to grow into the position to know that God's never late. To understand that God's always on the job. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. He's there with you. When you have a need, God wants to fulfill that need. Somebody could say amen to that because that's really some really good stuff right there. I hate that clock up there. Whatever sin, even if it has consequences remain today, we are still completely accepted by the beloved. That's Ephesians 1.6. My God, your God, our God is our source. Whatever good comes from the pure, is of the pure results of his grace working through my weaknesses. Did you hear that? What you think you are weak at and probably have an understanding that you're weak at, that's where God works through you. Ever had God do something like that to you? Give me, a, give me an illustration. Give you revelation knowledge. I think one of the coolest things you ever get from God is revelation knowledge. You want to hear other preachers, you want to hear other teachers, but when you hear something fresh from the Holy Spirit, just for you, you have to go, wow, God, that's good. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, chapter says, what is sown in weakness is raised in power. What does that mean? What does it mean? What is sown in weakness is raised in power.
Okay, let me give you the illustration I was using. When I cut this wall down in those four-foot sections, I leaned them against the wall over there. And I was feeling puny. I know I don't look puny, but I was feeling puny. I was weak and dirty and tired. And I really didn't feel like I had the strength to carry all that out those doors. But God knew about my weakness condition right then. And you know who came along? The pastor. I never told him this, but he took his strength and started picking those four-foot panels up and taking them out there and throwing them alongside the building. Now, to him, it might have meant nothing or it could have said something, but to me, it was like God says, I see you, Bill Collins, and I know what you have sown in your labor, but I want to let you know, Bill Collins, I have this in control. Ugh, that is such good stuff. God has it in control. God wants to bless you, and I don't know where I'm doing this from, but it sure is bouncing, isn't it? Maybe you'll get the better mic next week. Paul's thorn made it possible for the power of God to rest upon him. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through the 10th verse. What was Paul's thorn? <laughs> that is the best answer that I could have got out of you. No one knew. God knew. Paul knew, I think. He was suffering with whatever this was. But God says, that's all right. Through the weakness of this thorn, I'm virtually going to make you strong. Uh, Kelly, through pastoring this little old church, have you had periods of time that you felt weak and puny? Okay. Very much so, huh? Okay. Is there times you said, God, what are we doing here? Absolutely. Look at her. Look at her. Oh, God. I, ooh, she's, we're in agreement. Why did you feel that way? Did you hear what she said? I didn't hear you had said again. Like the wall, I was. And, and what has God done since that time? He said he's a better disciple when he's broke. Well, there's, I, think, I believe it's Peter. I think it's Peter. It said, be obedient over the small things, and I'll make you ruler over what things? The large things, big things, grandy things. So I believe that was a prophetic word that you, God was giving you when you walked through this place and you've seen it full. God never does nothing to bless you, to answer your prayers that he don't. Do above and beyond. Are you hearing me? That wasn't an accident. It was, oh, I wish I could see this place full. Oh, maybe I could see this place full. Maybe if we give everybody a $100 bill, maybe we can fill the church up. If we're going to do that, I've been here six months, I'll take all $600,000 of that, whatever it is. But the reality is this, is, is God don't call you, like she said, with promises, but he does promise. He does promise. When Moses had all the people and he was leading them around the wilderness for those 40 years, what expectation did Moses have? A promise. What was the promise? The promised land. Nobody got to stand up on the mountain and look down. See, that, that is the cost of leadership, is receiving the vision and then you blow it, and you don't you really get to receive the benefits other than you got to stand up on the mountain and look over and say, that's all yours. He saw more than anyone else that out with him did. That's absolutely right. He saw more than anybody else that started out with him did. 
even Joshua when he talked to uh, to take over his place. You think that young man could see himself doing what Moses did? No. But it was a new time, a new walk, and a new place. This we call a new time, a new church, and a new outpouring. You hear me? Old things pass away and all things become new. We know that God calls us to a place into a time like this and calls the pastor to a place into a time like this. What for? Just so they can be disgusted? So they can be aggravated? They could get angry, man. You know, a lot of ministers lose it because they don't wait on God long enough. There have been many a ministry fall apart because they had a vision or they thought it was going to happen like this, ABC, instead it was ABCDFG. But God will fulfill his word. Sometimes it's not in our time block. But the, the reality of, of of all this is is that we understand that I think of the story of Joseph and the birth of Christ. Who would think of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, being born in a stable? You know. Was there good hospitals around? Was there good hotels? Was Motel 6 around? So what we have to understand, God is going to do it God's way. My job, your job, our job is to walk and understand that God's in control and I need to walk in my path of obedience. My path of obedience may be different than your path of obedience. His path of obedience is teaching, alternating teaching on Wednesday night, but his path of obedience is also helping with the music. That's his. And you do the lawns too, don't you? I I guess I understood that from the lawnmower. You do the lawns also. So there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. There's Bracken, the bass player, the singer, and the lawn guy. Amen. Did you hear that? I do believe that too. I love it. <laughs> what not saying? <laughs> Thank you. Well, what I think is interesting about her sermonette that is powerful. It was on your heart. And that's what preaching and teaching is all about. When God puts something on your heart, he makes a way for you to give it. He opens doors. Maybe the laundromat, maybe the gas station, but God opens the doors. And here's the cool thing about this. If we, us five, are we two, four, five? Okay, us five. If we will start allowing God to open those doors, then God will open those doors and we start building the church. One person at a time. You are awesome. You're powerful in the kingdom of God. You're important to the kingdom of God. God sent you here for a reason. It wasn't an accident. The other church, they lost out. But they didn't have it. But you made something very powerful for her because you said you learned and you grew here. Now, see... Before Wednesday nights, I really never heard you say very much at all. It won't be long before we're going to have to share our Wednesday nights with her. It's, it's, not, it's awesome, though. It's awesome because in this church, we're allowing people to grow. Now, I want, I want to correct you on one thing. Okay, one thing. We don't want you to fall on your face. And that's what the church shouldn't want anybody to do. But should you happen to fall on your face... I believe that this church is growing to the point that they're going to grab you by the arms and help you get up. That's the ministry of the church. Well, I'm pretty close to that age myself. I'm pretty close to that myself, aren't we? Yes. Because that's what the church is all about, that I can pick on him and he not go home mad. He can pick on me and I'll go home mad. Oh, That's not the way it works, huh? 
you understand what I'm saying? And he helps me when I teach, and I help him when he teaches. And we bounce off of one another. Our goal is to add to the church. That's what we're doing. Our goal is for people to grow. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be an outbreak, and people are going to start coming on Wednesday night more than ever before because the growth is going to take place out of Wednesday night. Absolutely. Do you, do you agree? Do you agree, William? Growth is going to stem from the least obvious place, and I believe it's Wednesday night. Why? Because we're going to minister directly to the needs, and we're giving people like you an opportunity to stand up and declare what God has done. If there was something we should put on Facebook, it should have been what she said. We missed an opportunity because we heard it. We just am. I don't know what it is about this place. You just never can get done with things. And I think this works for you, sis. That which is good does not mean it is necessary at its first best. In other words, there are things that we do are good, but it doesn't stand at the best level. Because we cannot evaluate the best level. What you did was the anointing of the Holy Spirit within you to feed these people here tonight. It's what God put in you, you allowed it to come up. And because you did that, blessings come to you. Moses got blessings come to him. He made some mistakes. We all make mistakes. But what a church body is for, when someone makes a mistake, we don't throw them out the door, but we love them. And if they fall down, we pick them up. If they are a physical, mental, or disorder, we pray. We say, God, we need you to move on somebody's behalf. We stand with you. And that's what builds a church, is people standing with people, not criticizing, not playing guilt trips on them, not disrespecting them, but loving them. And I like what you said. You, you didn't want to offend anybody, but I want to give you another word. Sometimes the things we say are strong words. And strong words at time has to be given, and others will receive it. Maybe not the way you want them to receive it. What did Jesus tell when he went into the temple and he turned over the tables? What did he say? Woo, that's pretty tough stuff. That was pretty stuff tough. So understand, being a godly person doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get somebody mad. You didn't intend to get anybody mad. You just did what God said to do. But what if you did what God said to do and it kept somebody from going to